0: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Get used to the mantra all gas, no break, no break, no break. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.
1: England Patriots is going to be in Foxborough next week. It's Carlin versus Joe ESPN radio, Sirius XM channel 80 presented by progressive insurance. Hit us up on the Carlin versus Joe nation. Dr. Pepper call in line 888 say ESPN 888-729-3776. You can also follow us on Instagram at Jay Fortenbaugh at that guy, Carlin, Joseph, I found this particularly interesting from Tom Brady when discussing Bill Belichick and where he is right now. This was on Brady's uh, podcast, the Let's Go podcast over on SiriusXM uh, last night on Mad Dog Radio.
2: I think the results are are different from what they've been from, but I know that he's still got the same you know, work ethic. He's got the same coaching style. And, you know, I think the thing that I think – as I watched not only the Patriots, but a lot of other things, football's a hard sport. You know, it was very different when I was in there because I could control a lot of the outcome. You know, when I'm sitting here watching from afar, you know, I realized, God, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of things that need to go right in order to have team success. And I was a part of a lot of those teams. And, you know, I didn't take any of those things for granted. I needed a great defense. I needed a great kicker. Obviously, I needed a great coach. I needed great receivers and a great O-line. If I was gonna be successful as a player, I needed all those things, and I was fortunate to have a lot of those things over a long period of time. The teams that lose, they're putting a lot into it. The teams that win, they're putting a lot into it. It's a relentless sport. Joseph, he doesn't have
1: those things right now, but he's to blame for not having those things right now.
3: It's uh, This is the other end. This is what happens at the other end when yep. you go through two years of all that, that good luck. Right? And it's not just good luck. It was hard work. It was the classic luck is what happens when hard work meets opportunity. That's what the Patriots were for two decades. Brady leaves, you swing and a miss on a couple picks, you swing and a miss on a couple of free agents, you run into a situation where you're no longer as attractive as a free agent destination. Right. Like free agents had no problem picking up the phone when New England was calling when they knew they had a legitimate shot, a very good shot of playing for and possibly winning a Super Bowl because of Brady and Belichick. But now New England calls and it's just like any other team. It's the same thing as getting a call from Carolina. Same thing as getting a call from Houston. It's not to knock those teams, but Patriots aren't really threats to win the Super Bowl and neither are the other two teams I mentioned. So you're in a situation now where the brand is, I don't want to say tarnished, but it's not as strong in terms of its recruitment. The drafting hasn't been solid. The free agent signings haven't been solid. The coaching hires haven't been all that great underneath Belichick. And as a result, you have a product that is what it is on the field. And that's a team that's in the last place in its division. Offensively, they don't do a whole lot. Defensively, they're banged up, and it looks like a lost season. So now we begin the process of thinking, what's next? what's next is a big change coming are smaller changes coming are no changes coming got to figure something's on the horizon carlin yeah
1: and when you're trying to figure out how to replace bill belichick it's not ever going to be an easy thing to do but let's operate under the assumption that it's going to happen at this point because there's nothing in this season that suggests to me that they're going to get this turned around and they're going to end up being a six or seven win team right now.
3: All right, this so let's fe- start with this. I want to ask one question before you get rolling because I yeah. can see the, mom- the big Mo coming. I can see the big momentum coming. Mm-hmm. This season is going to continue as a struggle. Percentage chance of a new head coach in New England next year is? 100. What? Whoa. You're not even leaving any wiggle room. I'm not. That's what scientists do. Scientists never go 100%. You clearly are not a scientist. Joe? I always go 100%.
1: <laughs> there's we 100 and that. there's
3: zero. There is nothing in between.
1: <laughs> Take your gray and stick it where the sun don't shine. Okay? <laughs> no, I, I am fully convinced that there's going to be a new head coach next year because I believe what the owner was telling us in the offseason. we got to make the playoffs. we got to win now. Robert Kraft is in his 80s. He wants to win another one before. Frankly, it's too late. And that, to me, speaks to why you would make a change at this point, because I don't think the best route is to hire a new GM and convince Bill to work with him. That's not going to work. I think Bill is just going to be annoyed by that. I don't even know that he would stay in that. Hey, let's iron this out. Let's get you out of here. Uh you know, everybody is very happy with how it goes down. You announce your retirement. Whatever you want to do, that's how we do it. Meanwhile, the next head coach of the New England Patriots is Mike Vrabel. And Ooh. I thought this was very interesting. That, And I'm not saying that something's going to happen because of it. I just found it odd and worth mentioning. Next week, the Patriots host the Bills, a week from Sunday. They are having their Hall of Fame ceremony. Mike Vrabel is getting into the Patriots Hall of Fame. That is the bye week for the Tennessee Titans. And he's going to be there. Like, doesn't that feel a little bit odd to begin with, that a guy who is the head coach of another team is coming back on his bye week to get inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame.
3: A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It feels that's odd. like we're. That's odd. And it's the same conference, too. At least if it was an right. NFC, someone in the NFC, it's like, all right, coach of the Saints, whatever, no big deal. But it's a guy that's not a direct competitor, but a competitor nonetheless. And so th- my point to you is this I wanted to get to this today because
1: you're going to hear a lot about this next week. You're going to hear an awful lot about this next week. You know, the Patriots. I don't expect them to go on the road and beat the Raiders this week. I don't. They may, but I don't expect it.
3: Now. That's a football game right there, by the way. Yeah, it is. That's definitely a football game. You know the Raiders haven't scored more than 20 points in any game this season?
1: (laughs) Not shocking. There you go. Not Not to derail
3: the big man, but just
1: figured I'd get that little fun fact in there. And I'll throw it. Listen, if you're paying attention to the Raiders defensively, they're They're better. They're better. They're they're better against the pass. They are better. And it's not just Max Crosby. Anyway, that aside... I don't think there's any question that Robert Kraft would want to make Vrabel his next head coach if he could. He's got two years left, so it would probably cost you some compensation. It might cost you a first-round pick. He's done that before. How do you think he got Belichick in the first place? I don't think he'd have any qualms about that. And please, tell me who the obvious choice is otherwise. Tell me who the guy is who's perfect to bring in. Do you want to go the complete opposite of everything, Belichick, or do you want to go with a guy who understands – all of the landscape of what we do here, of what we have done here, but is not necessarily from the Bill Belichick coaching tree and is certainly by no means a clone. This is not a guy that – have you ever heard anybody say a negative word about playing for Mike Vrabel? No, player's guy. Player's yeah, guy through exactly. and through. Remember when that – I forget who it was. It was a tackle who came back like a year, a year and a half ago after a terrible injury. And Vrabel is in the tunnel hugging the guy and almost crying as it's happening. Like, he's a player's coach, but at the same time, an incredibly smart guy. There are too many reasons that this is perfect for New England. You're going to go hire Josh McDaniels? No, not now. You're going to go try to get John Harbaugh out of Baltimore? I, I Maybe. Like, I, I don't think handing the reins and hoping for the next hot, young, brilliant offensive mind, the next Mike McDaniel is the way that Robert Kraft wants to go because that is rolling the dice.
3: It's fascinating because Vrabel has a tremendous resume that he brings to the table. I believe he was the 2021 Coach of the Year. He's 50 and 37 in the regular season during his time in Tennessee, which is a job well done given the ingredients he has been provided with as the chef of that organization. It's not like they handed him a franchise quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or some of the other guys that are out there right now. He's been making it, making it happen with guys like Ryan Tannehill. That says something. You know, he's gotten the most out of his team year in and year out. You never hear about dysfunction. You never hear about infighting. They're a competitive team week in and week out. Even when they lose, they're laying wood, and they're trying to keep themselves in the game. The ties to New England are big. There's a lot there to like. I just wonder, if you're starting fresh after two-plus decades of the same thing, do you really want something that's tied to that past, Or do you want to go in a completely different direction? You know, in college football, we'll see this time to time the coach in waiting, you know, Jimbo Fisher at Florida State waiting for Bobby Bowden. In the pros, we saw it with Jason Garrett in Dallas. He was there being groomed under Wade Phillips and then eventually took over. It's not to say that it can't work, and it's not to say that this is the same situation. I just wonder if your craft, are you trying to find something that represents what you were and what you're looking to find once again? Or are you completely separating and say, look, the last two-plus decades have been incredible, couldn't have asked for anything more, but now it's time for a completely new direction. Here's what we're going to do. And I don't know if that's Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I don't know if that's Lincoln Riley at USC. These are names we're just throwing out there right now. But I'm I'm interested to know what the thought process would be in New England. Because to your point, I think Vrabel's at the top of the list, but is he the... We have to have this guy at all costs, or is he the he's our front runner right now until further notice? If you told me that you could get
1: Lincoln Riley out of USC and you're willing to pay him whatever that number is, I, I would understand it just strictly from the offensive mind and developing quarterback standpoint.
3: But are we are we convinced he would be a good NFL head coach? No, because no. he knew last year he had a problem on defense. He did nothing to address it, and his defense stinks again. And, and it's going to be the reason they he's, don't go to the playoffs.
1: He he's going to have to be talking about it every single week. He was ta- I saw he was talking about it earlier today, about how he's not worried about it. Like, come on. But, yeah, it's completely fair. This is my thing. I think for Kraft, Vrabel is the guy that you get at all costs. And on the the flip side, if you're wondering if Vrabel would want to go, I'm going to call this just pure speculation on my part from somebody looking on the outside in. So you had a situation at the draft two years ago where they traded away A.J. Brown. He was clearly aggravated about it and walked out of the room when it happened. Yep. He is basically running the show to a degree. Why did they trade A.J. Brown? Because they didn't want to pay him. So you've got Rand Carthon, who's now the GM or personnel guy, and that was kind of an arranged marriage. And it's not like that was his guy. I don't think there are real problems there or anything, but it certainly was not something that he just said, yeah, go, go hire that guy. I think Vrabel at this point, being able to call all the shots in New England at an iconic franchise that's been made that way by this owner in particular, and knowing how motivated this owner is going to be to win, absolutely, I'm on the next pl- flight. I, I all am. right, it's, a, fly, very, it's yeah, a very it's a very intriguing situation. I'd fly Spirit Airlines there if I had. Oh to. no, you would no, you would not. If I had to. <laughs> If I had to. (laughs) Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Of course, save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Any team banking on being in the top five to draft their future quarterback, they need to think twice about that. We'll explain next. Carlin versus Joe. ESPN radio.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio.
1: Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle You're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
3: Richardson is down on the field, and Lara Overton looks like he's pointing to his right shoulder. I think, you know, when you have a dynamic player like him, then obviously one of his skill set is a runner that makes him really good. You know, the design runs, the design run that he got hurt on, we ran something similar
2: to that last week where he popped it for a big one, and then obviously this week he got the shoulder. on um, I think it builds character of your football team. You know what I mean? It kind of, you find out who you are, you know, the resiliency, we talked about that, you know, in Baltimore
1: just brutal news this morning for the indianapolis colts carlin versus joe espn radio presented by progressive insurance if you haven't checked it out yet make sure you subscribe rate review the podcast you miss any of the show it is all there carlin versus joe wherever you get your podcast anthony richardson headed to the ir with his shoulder injury he's out at least four games could be four to eight weeks joe For Richardson, who suffered an AC joint sprain in Sunday's win over the Texans. That sounds like more than just an AC joint uh, sprain if it could be eight weeks. So here's the quote from Adam Schefter from today. The team has been doing extensive consultation with doctors to determine the length of his absence and now believes he will miss between four and eight weeks, depending on rehab and whether surgery is required. That's what a source told Adam Schefter. That is brutal. And look at the top of the draft and the guys who were picked in the top four picks. It ain't going well for two of the three quarterbacks. So we're taking that high.
3: For Richardson, he's already been hurt, what, three times? Three I know times, knocked out-, out of games three times. Yeah, three times he's been knocked out of games, and for different reasons. There was the injury in the first game against Jacksonville, which I believe he returned. Then there was an, a knee thing, I want to say, in week two, or there was the concussion. Now there's the yep. shoulder. It, it, look, I'm not about to say something you haven't heard before, but it bears repeating. The most important ability is availability. It doesn't matter what your athleticism is, it doesn't matter what your value is to a franchise or to a business or to a family. If you're not around, you can't help. He's got to learn to stay to stay healthy. There's got to be a way he can avoid some of this contact. You're not going to avoid all of it, but Cam Newton's career should be a case study for a lot of athletic type quarterbacks. Guys like Roethlisberger from early on uh, Cam Newton Just big physical quarterbacks who like to run And are very good at it you got to learn like Russell Wilson, when the slide, when to get out of bounds, how to avoid that contact. You know, people look at Brady and they don't consider him a very athletic quarterback. He's an athlete, but they always show the picture of the combine when he looked flabby and he never ran much. And people had their jokes, but Brady was a master at staying healthy. He got hurt one time. I believe it was 2008. He blew out the knee in the first game of the season against Kansas City. Yep. And that was pretty much it. He played everything else. And there's a reason for that. He knew how to avoid contact. Peyton Manning was good at this, too. How many plays are you going to run in an NFL game? What, 60 maybe, 65? Let's call it 70. Let's say you run 70 offensive plays in a game. Well, how many of those are going to be passes where you're at risk to get hit? Let's call it half, 35. So you got 35 passes you're throwing in a game, 35 opportunities where you could get hit and get hurt. Well, how many of those are going to be screens or swings or quick slants that come out of your hand immediately? How many of those are going to be three steps and unload it down the field? Five steps and unload it down the field. How many are going to be scrambles where you throw the ball away? Right? You add all this up and then you get to a point where you say, hmm, 70 plays a game where you could get hurt. But if you're really good like Brady was, you kind of limit it to maybe one or two or three a game where you actually get hit. You know, people make the joke about him and Manning when they'd see the pocket collapsing, they would just go right to the ground. Right to the ground. Live to fight another down. What's the point of taking the shot, right? Don't get hurt. Your value is in the big picture, not the small picture, not the little picture. And with Richardson right now, we aren't even in the middle of October yet, and he's already been hurt three times, and now we scheduled to miss a big chunk of time. The kid has a ton of potential, a ton of upside. But the first thing they got to teach him is that if you're not on the field, you can't help us. And he's not going to be helping Indianapolis at all for what looks to be two months because of yet another injury during his rookie season. Well, it leads me to a a more broad discussion about
1: the importance of the draft picks and to be up high in the draft to get your franchise quarterback. Joe, we talked about this a little bit the other day. When you look at how things have changed since 2010, that was the last time that teams would pay the exorbitant amount to the super-high draft picks before they did anything. Then fully came, guaranteed, exactly too. Exactly. Right. Remember, Sam Bradford just got like $50 million guaranteed before he took a snap. Yep. And now it's more slotted. So as you go along, you earn your money later on. So teams don't have to make that decision before you have played a down for them whether or not they're going to pay you. They can see a few years first and then figure it out. It's a massive cost-saving decision, especially when it comes to players that don't pan out. So the hit rate on quarterbacks over that span since roughly 2010 is about 35% on first-round quarterbacks. In other words, about 35% of the time, those quarterbacks have turned out to be What I would term franchise level quarterbacks. Don't have to be super, superstars, but they have to be franchise level quarterbacks. They don't get nearly as much time as they used to to develop because before you had 50 million sunk into them, so you had to give them five years. Right. They had time to develop. Now you got to make a decision in two and a half years, three years, whether or not this is the guy. So let me ask you this question. Let's say you're a team like the Chicago bears that is going to be in a position to draft a quarterback. They're going to have two exceptionally high first round picks with their own and with the Carolina Panthers pick that they got this past draft. So you're the bears. You see more performances that are at least closer to what we've seen the last two weeks from Justin Fields, where he looks a little bit more consistent as the season goes along where You really have a a very good feeling that he has a chance to be pretty good. Do you want to ride with that, something that is a known commodity that you're still not paying a fortune to? Or is it that important to you to reset the clock and take a lottery ticket where you're hoping to hit one out of three times with one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft?
3: Worst answer imaginable, but the jury's still out on that. Because this is the year of evaluation that's going to determine everything, and we've got a handful of games that organization still needs to see. Much like Josh Allen in Buffalo, year one to year two was an improvement. It was an improvement for Justin Fields. Year two to year three was a bigger improvement. Why for Josh Allen? Because they went out and they traded for Stephon Diggs. They got him a legit number one. Well, now the Bears went out and got DJ Moore, a legit number 1 for Justin Fields. And in the last two games where he's found DJ Moore on the field, they've put up explosive numbers, a 1 and 1 record that should be 2 and 0. Granted, it's against two of the worst pass defenses in the NFL in Washington and Denver. But but you can't evaluate Fields based on year 1 when you gave him nothing and it was a different organization. This is the year. He's got just enough around him where he should be able to show you whether or not he's the guy. And you've got to play out the rest of this season before you make that determination. All right, so what I does think the look like, still
1: well, What does it look like? What do you have to actually see? Lay out what it is for me, whether it's the season-type numbers or whatever it is that you need to take these other picks and think about other things as opposed to saying
3: this dude's our guy. A quicker processing of information in the pocket. It has nothing to do with stats. Go back and watch Brock Purdy against Dallas. Purdy drops back. He looks calm. He finds open spaces where where he throws the football. He anticipates where the receiver will be. He's making the decisions before he but like at the perfect time. The before the receiver is 2 to 3 steps out of his break, he knows where he's going. He knows that quadrant of the field is open. He throws the ball where it needs to be. It's a great decision and more importantly, it's accurate and it's executed properly. Fields has had problems with that. Fields can buy time so a receiver gets open down the field and then he can throw it down the field to that receiver. But I need to see him hit the fifth step of his five-step drop. Plant Find the open receiver, anticipate, and get the ball to him accurately. And I need to see him do that consistently. He is an incredible talent from an athletic standpoint. But as a quarterback, he needs to develop his processing. He needs to be able to move faster. And if he shows me he can move faster, then he's the guy. With all of that in mind,
1: we check in with cashing in for Caleb. We'll discuss exactly what teams are in the mix right now and where they should go carlin versus joe espn radio and the espn app
0: tomorrow on carlin versus joe with the division series coming to a close three-time world series champion david ortiz joins the guys to look ahead to the league championship series
2: david ortiz does it again
0: david ortiz with carlin versus joe tomorrow at 220 eastern on espn radio and on the espn app this is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio Teams are already looking ahead to the draft. So
2: you ready for the draft? All right, it's time to have some fun.
0: fun. It's time to see who has the best odds this week to draft USC's Caleb Williams. The magic man pulls out the magic wand. This is cash in for Caleb.
1: Right now, it's pretty easy to see who's cashing in for the for Caleb. This Good Hands moment of the week brought to you by Allstate with insurance from Allstate. You'll be game day ready every day. Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Allstate, you're in good hands. By the way, I just got the new Big Ten schedule for next year. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that Caleb does not come back next year. Let's put it that way. Why is that? Because Rutgers will be taking a trip out west to USC.
3: Wouldn't you want to see him play? Not against us. uh joseph we have the good, Chicago bears. good, good news yeah. for you i gotta throw this out there good news for you it's not like lincoln riley's good at identifying quarterbacks so don't <laughs> worry right. about that next one's got to be a dud right yeah can't keep pumping out heisman trophy
1: winners every year <laughs> uh joseph the bears right now are in the top two spots as we speak for the number one pick and the number two pick in the draft and we are all going to operate under the assumption for the moment that they are going to trade away Justin Fields and pick Caleb Williams if they finish in a position to do so. The other teams that are interesting to look at here, if things continue to go south, Denver right now would have the third overall pick. Minnesota would have the fourth overall pick. And New England, the fifth overall pick. So, first of all, let's start here. We have talked about Denver today. We have talked about New England today. Let's start here with New England. If they somehow found themselves up in the Caleb Williams area to draft him, does that make it any different in your philosophy of hiring your next head coach? Because you will know what your draft position is, definitively before you know who your next head coach is.
3: I'd say so. I'd say it has to factor in because if you're going with a rookie quarterback, you want someone that has some sort of track record of possibly developing a rookie quarterback, understanding what it takes to develop a a rookie quarterback, understanding that entire process. If you're bringing in someone who's going to have a veteran that signed, maybe if New England were to sign Kirk Cousins, it wouldn't matter as much. But if you're drafting number one and Caleb Williams is your guy, and he's as good as everyone says and thinks he is. And man, does he look good when you watch him play. Just go look at that Arizona game from the weekend, what he did in overtime to bail them out because they don't play any defense. Mm. It, 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 you, you'd be an idiot not to put all of your resources into making sure you don't screw this up because if you make it work at quarterback, you can figure everything else out. If you have everything else figured out, but not quarterback, you're not going anywhere. You see what I'm saying? Like, this is it. You have to get this right. If you're drafting Caleb Williams, you have to put every resource into making sure he is going to get everything he needs to be the best possible player he can be. Because I don't care if you have 21 of 22 positions figured out. If you don't have quarterback figured out, you're not winning the Super Bowl. He doesn't need to be elite. But if he's good, really good, he can cover up so many problems you may have. The Denver Broncos, Sean Payton,
1: this Could absolutely be a disastrous type season when you are picking a quarterback and you've got Russell Wilson still there and you can't climb out from under it terribly easily. Are you going to go and do that? Or do you try to ride this out a little bit more knowing that Russ is actually playing a little bit
3: better? No, if you're, if you're Denver and you're Sean Payton, I don't think you took that job because you really loved Russell Wilson. I think you, you took that job because you figured you could blow it up and start off on your own, and you'd want to live in Denver while you do it. So I would see them being very interested in drafting a quarterback and rebooting this whole thing. What's fascinating here is... And I want to just go back one second. If the Bears really do end up with the first and second picks, they're going to have a hell of a choice on their hands. Hell of a decision to make. Because let's say they trade away Justin Fields. Do you go 1-2 Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., and then Caleb Williams arrives in Chicago with DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison Jr. to throw to, Or do you draft Caleb Williams and then watch as all these teams who need quarterbacks want to trade for the number two pick – to get Drake May, and get in front of Denver, who's at three. And then you end up trading back, and you don't get Marvin Harrison Jr., but you'd get more picks with which to build out this roster. The Bears are going to have a big-time decision on their hands.
1: They are, and it's going to be an excellent decision to have to make. Yes. Um,
3: I, I, boy, I would be
1: awfully tempted to go Williams and and Marvin Harrison 1-2, yeah. and then add that with DJ Moore. I mean, holy cow, that's just an amazing combination.
3: And Marvin Harrison wouldn't need to be a star right away. You'd have DJ Moore. So you can develop him, and you're giving Caleb Williams. And then you just go out in free agency with all that money the Bears have, and you just sign two or three offensive linemen. Build that O-line up, right? You've got the running back situation adequately adequately figured out. But build up the O-line through free agency. Draft Caleb Williams. Draft Marvin Harrison. You've got DJ Moore. All of a sudden, if you get an offensive mind in there at head coach, you could be scoring 30 a game in no time. I'll tell you what's
1: really interesting to me, too, here on the flip side for these teams. Let's just operate within the teams that have one win right now before I get to this question, all right? We heard Caleb Williams' father say in that article in GQ that, hey, if the right team's not there for us at the top, we could always go back. I mean, why not when you see the NIL money? Caleb Williams is in every Wendy's commercial there is right now and you have one of these teams, tell me which of these teams, and I already know the answer, but which of these teams you would be okay going to? Arizona, the Giants, New England, Minnesota, Denver, Chicago. Of that group, you're Caleb Williams, you're trying to make the decision, I'll go to the NFL and play for one of those teams, or I will stay put in college. Who's okay to go to?
3: I mean, ultimately, if I'm really going to sit there and nitpick, I probably don't want to go to Chicago because you're outdoors, right. cold weather, lots of wind. It's not a very quarterback friendly town. It's a to no surprise.
1: Point, and to your point, they've never developed one.
3: Right. They've never even had a 4,000-yard passer in their entire career. Like, yep. it's, it's amazing to think that Chicago has been around forever. They've never had a 4,000-yard passer. So I'd probably, if I had the choice to turn these down, I wouldn't want to go there because of the weather. Denver I would go play with. I'd be willing to, to put my trust in Sean Payton. I saw what he did in New Orleans. That's good enough for me. Uh, Minnesota, I'm inside in the dome for most of my games. I don't know what they're going to do with Kevin O'Connell, but exactly. Justin Jefferson's there. I'd be intrigued by them. New England, it's going to come down to the coaching hire. The Giants have been disastrous. I don't know if I'd want to go there considering what they – I mean, if you're looking at the Giants, you have to think, look at how they treat their quarterback now. They let that kid get killed back there. Yep. Absolutely killed. Why would I want to go play for a team that treats their quarterback like that? This that's what would scare cool. me. And then Arizona, the organization itself, just I wouldn't want to be a part of that. Well, so Denver, I'd want to go to Denver.
1: There, there could be one team that's picking in the top seven – that might be acceptable to Caleb Williams. <laughs>
3: yeah, but I mean, again, when you're talking about these top 10 picks, it's they're not well-run franchises. Philadelphia is not going to pick in the top 10 and say, you want to take no. over for Jalen Hurts? Andy Reid's not going to come calling. Nope, nope. So this is what you got to do. You got to make hay while the sun shines. I think Denver would be a great opportunity. Denver would be a great opportunity with Sean Payton. I mean, given given the other options that are out there, the Broncos would be where I would want to end up. Good town, great place to live. Head coach that's gotten it done before. There's a lot of work to be done. But given some of those other scenarios, again, like you look at the Giants, how could you be excited about playing quarterback for a team that treats their quarterback the way they do? The kid kid is getting killed every week.
1: The only thing that would attract you there would be Dayball and his ability to work with quarterbacks. And the marketing. Big city marketing would be huge in New York. Carl I mean, he's built for the bright lights. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Again, this Good Hands moment of the week brought to you by Allstate with insurance. From Allstate, you'll be game day ready every day. Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Allstate, you're in good hands. Day betting alert. Day betting alert. It is on the way in just moments. I believe Joe has got some winners for you, or at least one. On some playoff baseball.
0: Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Carlin versus Joe.
3: Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Thank God for Carlin's Rangers yesterday. Otherwise, it would have been the big squad douche. Pizza money yesterday, 1 and 2, down 1.2 units. Overall, the show is 33. 30 and 1 but we are in the red ladies and gentlemen minus 0.78 units so we got to climb out of it two bets today both are on the Philadelphia Phillies we're playing them to win the game minus 120 we're also playing them in the first five innings minus 135 Aaron Nola this is your legacy game series is split one apiece. it was a struggle last year in the World Series put it behind you you have the Crowd at the bank backing you up today. The place is going to be nuts. You're in the big swing spot here. You're headed for free agency. This is the game that defines the legacy. We're betting on you in the first five innings, and we're betting the fills overall. On the other side of the equation, Bryce Elder is going to go for Atlanta. It's not Max Fried. It's not Spencer Strider, it's Bryce Elder. He had a nice 3.81 ERA this year, but look at the XERA. It jumps to 4.55. What does that tell us? He was a bit fortunate this year, and regression could be coming. Pitched well at home, 3.61 ERA, but on the road, that number jumped to 4.05. And let's remember, this crowd has a way of getting in opposing pitchers' heads. Pizza money, two selections for today. Phillies minus 120 over the Braves. Phillies in the first five innings... Minus 135 over the Braves as well. Day
1: betting alert.
3: I got to tell you, I can't get the pizza money music out of
1: my head every time we play it. After I you hear it, it you're it. just locked in. Exactly. It's follicular, 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 follicular. It's tremendous. I love it. <laughs> Joy is everywhere. Anyway, Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. It is, it is bizarre that we are at this point And I know that Jeff Passan who came on earlier was talking about this, that it's been trending this way for so long. But just think about what's going on here with two teams in the Rays and the Orioles getting swept. The Orioles won 101 games. The Rays won 99 games. So combined, 200 wins, and they both get swept, and they're both gone by a team that has not, before last night, had not been home in 17 days. They ended the season, Texas did, on the road at Anaheim, at Seattle. They blew the division in Seattle. So then they had to go right from Seattle all the way down to Tampa Bay. They go and play there. Like, you can't fly any further in this country except for maybe Alaska, right? And so they go there, and then they win these games. And then you look at, like, Arizona. Arizona cleaning up right now. And they're about to finish off the Dodgers for Pete's sake. Joe, this is really, truly becoming the NBA where the teams that make the playoffs, all that matters is making the playoffs. Like as much as there's supposed to be a, a real advantage in winning the division, I'd make the argument it works against you when you get four and five days off because a lot of these teams aren't sharp anymore.
3: I know that some people have tried to dig into the studies on this. The sample's low since we expanded the playoffs, so there's not a whole lot to really rely upon. There is a case to be made. You know, you get into that wild card, get round, and you win a couple games, you get hot, and all of a sudden you're playing a team that's been off for five days. Texas versus Baltimore is a good example. And before they even know what happened, you're all over them and you're ending the series. Now, conversely, if that's the case, why is Minnesota down 2-1 to Houston? Right. Houston had the same five days off. Minnesota was red hot. Houston jumped on them in game one and then went ahead and won game three. So they're now up two games to one. Um, the Diamondbacks are proving that they're the hot team. And then the Phillies and the Braves, they're one one. We'll see how that gets broken today. The difference between MLB and the NBA when it comes to the playoffs is that with the NBA, you can get into this wild card spot without really having done a whole lot. In, the, in Major League Baseball, you have to have a good season to get to the playoffs. You have to be a good team. There's no way around it through 162 games. But last year, like Toronto, the Bulls, Toronto was 41-41. and 41. The Bulls were 40-42. and 42. The Heat were forty-four and thirty-eight. All right, they're six over when they get in. As we're looking at that, this is actually the 2022-2023 season I'm talking about. And then you look at the uh, Western Conference: the Pelicans at forty-two and forty, the Thunder at forty and forty-two. Teams are getting in that aren't really that good. They're they're average teams. It's just a big playoff structure because they let so many in now that they've expanded. With baseball, I mean, you. you still have to be a good team. I mean, is,
1: is eighty-four wins a good team? The Dimebacks had 84 wins. Is that a good team? Uh it's not. It's certainly not great. It's certainly well, it's, not great. It, it, it's, it's, it's it's close
3: not, to average, I guess we would say.
1: Yeah, it's not the NFL. It's not um, the NBA where a team under 500 is going to get in. Like that's not going to happen yet, right? Right. But I do think it. You know, it's funny. I did Mets pre and post game for five years on TV, and I asked this question all the time, and I probably asked. 25 different people where they were managers, coaches, or players. Does momentum really count in baseball? Is there such a thing? Because what's the stupid cliche statement about momentum in baseball? It's just, it's your next day's starting pitcher. Yeah. Well, that's really kind of out the window now, too, by the way. So does it actually exist? I think when you are playing well, it absolutely can carry over. And when I look at, like, Texas – Maybe there was some adrenaline in that that carried over all of a sudden once they won that first game. But it's so hard to tell whether or not there truly is momentum because we do talk
3: about teams that get hot, and then all of a sudden they lose a game and it's over with. If there's a case for it, baseball is the study. Baseball and, you know what, to a a certain extent, hockey as well. You'll see the team, the hot team that nobody wants to play, just tear through. Remember the year one of the years the Kings won the Stanley Cup final. I think it was the year they beat New Jersey. They yeah. were like an eight seed. They got into the Stanley Cup playoffs on the last day of the regular season. They needed yep. things to break their way. They got in and then they rolled, absolutely rolled through everybody on their way to a cup. The Phillies last year got hot. The Giants, pretty much every year under Bochi, when they were making a run, they were just the hottest team. They were never the best team. Especially in 10 and 14, they were not the best team. They were just the hottest team. That's what happens in baseball. It comes down to the culture. It comes down to a variety of things that are just classified as momentum. You come in, you're feeling good. Everyone's picking each other up. Nobody's getting down on each other when things are going south. That's what's important. You see teams like the Orioles wilt in in the big spot it had nothing to do necessarily with momentum it was just mindset it was positivity versus wallowing and things going against you and it was no surprise that after they had gone down oh two and they were now on the road that they were going to get smashed yesterday that's what happens sometimes you just give up on the whole thing with a team like the phillies or the hot teams they just always believe they're in it and that power of belief can be quite powerful
1: okay other two games today real quick we got less than 30 seconds Houston Minnesota to the Astros close it out uh no I'm going with the twins in that one okay Joe Ryan you're on board with him yeah and then the Dodgers Diamondbacks the Diamondbacks finish it off at home
3: oh my goodness um yeah, Lance Lynn, I want to say, I'll on say the yes line. I'll say yes I I don't I don't have a lot of faith in the Dodgers you have all that talent you're producing the way they are no yep Lance Lynn
0: season on the line that's tough Thanks for listening to the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin vs. Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin vs. Joe podcast.